discover your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. One of the things I love to look at when I'm interviewing an assistant coach or even a head coach for that matter is going back through their coaching history. Where did they start? Where have they been? Who have they met? How did they get to the point they are now? And I did that with Joe Klanderman when I called him up for this week's Sources podcast. Joe Klanderman graduated from Minnesota State, a Division II program in Mankato, Minnesota. He played there. He starred there. He won academic awards while playing there. And after being done in 2001 as a defensive lineman, he immediately went on to the coaching staff at his alma mater. From 02 to 04, defensive line. 05 to 06, defensive backs. And then 07 to 13, he was the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach for Minnesota State. But his career was about to take a big turn. In 2014, he was hired at North Dakota State on Chris Kleiman's coaching staff, and he immediately started coaching the defensive backs. He spent five seasons in Fargo, five seasons at the FCS level after a string of seasons at the Division II level. Now, to put that in context, schools such as Washburn, Fort Hay State, Pittsburgh State, Northwest Missouri, so on, that league, those are NCAA Division II institutions. So imagine the defensive coordinator at Washburn. All the way up till 2013, then gets a job at the FCS level, which is North Dakota State in this case, and it's a really good school, but he's not the coordinator there. He's just the defensive backs coach. And then in 2020, suddenly he's the defensive coordinator at Kansas State. This is what fascinates me about how fans react to coach hirings. When Chris Kleiman was hired at Kansas State in 2019, All hell broke loose with certain corners of the fan base. He was an FCS coach. Yeah, he'd won some national championships. Yeah, he was really good. But he's an FCS coach. Kansas State is not only FBS, it is a Power 5 institution. Shouldn't you hire someone from there? But Gene Taylor knew Chris Kleiman. He had worked with him. And he knew exactly what kind of character he had and what kind of coach he was. So he hired Chris Kleiman to take over for the legendary Bill Snyder in 2019. And among the coaches that came with Kleiman to Kansas State was Joe Klanderman, who took over the safeties for K-State. To get his defensive coordinator, he went out and hired, eventually after one misfire, Scotty Hazelton, who had been at North Dakota State, at Wyoming, at USC, bounced around in the NFL. But there was no arguing with the results. Scotty Hazelton was a great defensive coordinator, but he was only in Manhattan for one year before getting almost a million dollars a year to go coach at Michigan State. Who would be the next defensive coordinator? Well, for Chris Kleiman, there really wasn't much of a decision. It was either going to be Van Malone, his cornerbacks coach, or Joe Klanderman, his safeties coach. Now, Van Malone had the better resume. There's no doubt about it. He had been an FBS defensive coordinator. But he was named associate head coach, so now he's number two in charge. And Chris Kleiman named Joe Klanderman Kansas State's defensive coordinator. Now, if he'd done this a year earlier, if Chris Kleiman had come to Kansas State and named his safeties coach from North Dakota State as the D coordinator, you'd talk about hell breaking loose. People would have been up in arms. But one year later, after seeing what Kleiman and his coaches could do, That football was indeed just football, as Chris Kleiman had said. Nobody really had a problem with Joe Klanderman being the defensive coordinator. 
The safeties had played well. The defense had played well. And it was probably best to keep it in-house, so there was a nice evolution from one coordinator to the next. Well, Joe Klanerman's first game of the season against Arkansas State, it wasn't so good for the defense. K-State lost the game. It wasn't all the defense's fault, but it just wasn't a good game, and and the defense didn't look very sharp. People were alarmed. But ever since then, the Kansas State defense has gotten better. They beat Oklahoma with a brilliant fourth-quarter performance from both the offense and defense. And then they beat Texas Tech, and then they went to TCU and won, and won mostly because of the defense. 21-14 on a day when Kansas State's offense was in the hands of a true freshman, Will Howard, at quarterback. K-State's offense scored just one touchdown and a two-point conversion, two field goals, and an interception by Klanderman's nickelback, A.J. Parker, was a totality of Kansas State's scoring. It was a brilliant defensive effort against an offense for the Horned Frogs that had been pretty good all season long. Kansas State's defense in Joe Klanderman's hands is now beginning to show its character, to show what it's about. They hit hard, they tackle well, and they are very sound to their assignments as they proved against TCU. Off week this week, and then they prepare to play Kansas. Joe Klanderman finally had a chance to maybe take a breath and evaluate how things have gone this season. And he also had time to talk to me for our Sources podcast. Here's Joe Klanderman, Kansas State's defensive coordinator and safeties coach. Coach, I thought it was probably a good day to have you on because, uh, put simply, your defense kind of kicked ass on Saturday. <laughs> how proud of you were you of, of the guys and how they played? I'm just happy that they're starting to get some results because they've worked really hard. Um, we've done a good job of, of continuing to learn and continue to grow. We haven't scratched the surface yet of where we will be. I think we're still trying to get pieces in the right places. I think we're getting closer. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome to see these guys get rewarded once in a while. You know, it's been a philosophy of you guys that came from North Dakota State to play a lot of guys, rotate them, uh, try to keep people fresh, and uh, that – that certainly is proving to be a brilliant concept here during the pandemic because everyone seems to be ready to play. Everyone does stay fresh. And, and honestly, probably players aren't as in good a shape in week four of a football season as they normally would be. A hundred percent. And not only that, but I think sometimes guys have a tendency to check out mentally. It's just human nature when you're, when you're, you know, I'm, I might play only, five snaps. I might play only if somebody's shoelace comes untied. I might play, you know, it's hard to prepare that way. When, when, when you know you're going to play 25 snaps, you're going to get a lot more from each person throughout the week. And the more people you have involved and invested, the better off your product's going to be by and large. So far on this defense, we've seen a lot of guys play that didn't play much last year. And in fact, a couple corners step up that we didn't know would play this year that this much. Um, have you been surprised by anyone and how, how well they've played compared to what you, I don't know, maybe uh, had in your head? Yeah. I mean, I could go down the list yeah. uh, of guys that have, that have stepped up. I mean, just position by position, you mentioned corner. I, I mean, I, the first guy would comes to my mind is echo Boydo, yeah. a guy that wasn't, uh, I mean, he wasn't in, on our radar to be honest with you, uh, coming into even, even the week of Oklahoma, you know, when we got hit with, the uh, bunch of corners getting out and um you know the one thing that echo has is he's got really good length and he's got really good speed 
and he has a pretty good understanding of what we're doing. But he didn't have any game minutes. I mean, we were looking at some Kansas tape today, and he played, you know, some some mop up duty, I guess you'd say, last year. And he, he just looks unconfident, uncoordinated, un you know, un anything that's positive. And you know, just watching him play last week, total opposite. You know, total confidence, total body control. You know, total. You, know, you can see him communicating things. It's it's a whole different guy. Uh, and I think every snap that he gets, he just gains more and more confidence in what he's doing. You know, so he's a guy that comes to mind. I think we're getting more out of um, Ross Elder as, a, as another guy that's played a couple games at free safety that's uh, done some nice things. Uh, guys like Drew Wiley that are playing at a, as, at a high, at, as high of a level as anybody in the conference at his position, I, I, would, I would contend. You know, he, he was just a body last year. I mean, he was a tough guy and all that stuff, but he wasn't he wasn't the force that he is now. I mean, we have a lot of guys that are that are playing above and beyond themselves, I think. Back to Echo real quick. I I've been really impressed with him. What's going through the mind of a defensive coordinator as you throw him into action at Oklahoma? <laughs> having no idea this is what you're going to find when he starts playing and he starts making plays it probably you probably looked around the press box like what's going on here well it was difficult to write things down with all my fingers crossed <laughs> um <laughs> but it was uh yeah i mean i, and I think we we did a, a a decent job in that game of just putting those guys in situations where they they weren't going to be in a whole lot of competitive one-on-ones and just letting them get their feet wet a little bit. And um, we did a little bit more of it against Texas Tech. We put those guys in those situations, and we did a little bit more yet uh, against TCU to the point where I think myself, uh, our, our defensive coaches, and those guys themselves feel confident, confident and comfortable in those situations now. And in Oklahoma, it was just, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't uh, you know, we tried to protect them as much as we could, and we, we you know, um, that was that was a challenge in and of itself because they do so much offense. But it was, you know, just kind of getting those guys instead of just jumping into the deep end of the pool, we kind of let them toe dip a little bit. And now they're at a point where I think they're used to the water, so but to speak. You, you mentioned you try to protect him, but you also are running a safety out there in Ross Elder who doesn't have a, a ton of live game experience himself. So it's got to be <laughs> – <laughs> I, I, I kind of feel like you're trying to plug holes in the dam right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're telling me, you know, but, but uh, I mean, at some point you just have to trust your guys and you trust the training. And I think more than anything, that's what we've done this year is, is we've just learned to put a little bit of trust in those players and they've delivered. And when you have the right type of people in, in your program and the right type of people in those situations, they're going to, they're going to stand up for you. What is the current uh, status of Wayne Jones. He he went out with that injury and he's played a little bit here and there, but he's not seeing significant action. No, he's, he's, uh, he's good. I'd say he's healthy. Um, you know, he's missed a lot of practice time because of that. So I, I don't know that he's a hundred percent back in rhythm yet. And then, um, you know, where, where Wayne has kind of fit for us here recently is because we moved so many pieces around, and because he's such an intelligent football player, he's kind of been the, the top reserve or he was for a, a stretch there at every, every position. And so it's not really fair to him uh, what we were doing to him, but he's been uh, now that I think we're starting to get some people back in the lineup. Uh, he, he's going to be able to get more comfortable and get back into that rotation a little bit more. And Justin Gardner was listed on the initial depth chart this season, but we didn't know a whole lot of him as coming in as a transfer. 
this dude can play. I mean, he made some significant plays against TCU. Uh, that might have helped decide this game. And uh, how pleasant of a surprise has he been? Where Justin thrives and what he has that, that none of our other corners have is, is physically, and he's got length, he's got weight, you know, he, he, he's, he looks the part, you know, and, and uh, he's still learning, um, admittedly, uh, you know, what we're doing and how it all comes together a little bit. But I trust that guy when it comes to a one-on-one. You know, if that ball's up in the air, um, you know, sometimes I just close my eyes and put my hands over my face. And, um, and other times, you know, when he's out there, I'm thinking, all right, we got a 50% chance of coming down with this thing, you know, and, and, and the chances of them completing this ball are, are slim. And so physically, I just trust that guy. I mean, I just trust what he brings to the table there. And, and he's been huge for us. You're right. I mean, that, uh, there were a couple opportunities there one-on-ones, uh, last week that, um, he, he made a play very similar to what he did in the Oklahoma game with that interception. And, you know, he didn't come down with this one, but, you know, had two hands on it and, and was very close. And it makes you think twice if you're an offensive coordinator about wasting it down by throwing one up to that guy. While we're on the top of guys who stepped up, uh, you you mentioned one defensive tackle. That's not who I would bring up. Jaden Pickle shocked me at, at Oklahoma, how well he played and how solid he's been, again, for a guy who hasn't had much of a role on this team. That's right. Uh, same kind of situation as Justin. And, and the one thing that Jalen brings to us that we don't have a lot of in that position is length. And that's why he's been able to get his, you know, his big mitts up and bat down three balls over the last two weeks and, you know, just keep, keep blockers away from him and shed, shed things and, and be able to make plays that maybe other guys would, would have got sucked up into. And uh, you're right. I mean, just another guy that we put some trust into and keeps earning more and more snaps by how he's producing. I asked you at, uh, on two or I guess Thursday's teleconference about the game kind of slowing down for you and, and things coming to you a little bit better as a, a defense coordinator. Uh, I thought your answer was interesting, but I really felt like you were in sync with your team as good as we've seen this year. Is that a fair characterization? I would say that, um, yeah, I mean, I would say that we, we had a pretty good plan going in mm-hmm. and we were executing the plan. And, you know, as opposed to, well, you know, just taking the Arkansas State game, for example, you know, I, I thought I was comfortable with where we were going in. Um, things weren't working out the way that we'd hoped because of whatever reason. And you kind of have to go to plan B and then C, you know, <laughs> Uh, we weren't able to stay on schedule. And, and this week, because we were executing so well, we were able to stay on schedule and kind of had some second-half change-ups that allowed us to play better in the second half yet than we did in the first, you know, as opposed to Texas Tech where we kind of played pretty well in the first half and just, you know, kind of let it roll in the second half. We didn't have much, you know, many things that were changing for us, and they made some adjustments. And, um, you know, we didn't allow TCU to do that because we, we stayed a step ahead of them in that game. And, and it all starts with just our guys executing what we're doing. And if we do that, we're going to be in good shape every week. Max Dugan is, a, as we know at Kansas State, is a guy that can, <laughs> if you get him in the open, he can run. Uh, we saw that last year, and he's proven it ever since. I think you, you said that uh, K-State unveiled him to the rest of the nation last year. Because <laughs> we sure did. <laughs> nobody knew he could run like this. And he attempted to run on Saturday. He just had no room. Uh, a couple questions here. First of all, uh, trying to get defensive ends to keep pinching that pocket instead of following their instincts to go chase, chase, chase. How difficult is mm-hmm. that as a coach? 
And Coach Wyatt did a tremendous job with that this week because that is 100% right. And when you got guys that can hunt, and, and you know, and we do, we've got a number of them that we, we feel really good about coming off the edge. Uh, hunters want to hunt, you know, and it's hard to slow those guys down, and it's hard to get those guys to buy into the idea that you're going to make more sacks by, you know, collapsing that pocket and falling in rather than just trying to run around and create these big open B gaps in there. And, um, you know, we worked on that a ton with coach Tuyasa Sopo and coach Wyatt and, and the guys bought into it. And, you know, I thought that was a big key to the game is limiting his rushing yards. And, and we did. And, uh, when he did run the ball, we made him pay. I mean, I know Eli Sullivan tattooed him once or <laughs> once or twice. I know, uh, Eli Huggins tattooed him once. Wyatt Huber tattooed him once. I mean, he was he, he pretty sore this afternoon, I would guess. Yeah, I bet he is. One of the guys that really jumped out at me during Saturday's game was Bronson Massey. I thought it was Boom's best game as a Wildcat. He's he's one of those players that physically has always looked the part, but he hasn't ever quite played a complete game. And I thought his best plays of the day were maybe he didn't make the tackle, but he stepped back up into that gap. He was coming around the corner and cut – Dugan off and and really led to maybe someone else getting him. I thought Bronson played a great game. He did, and and where we're really dangerous and and I love our, our inside guys. Uh, you know, talking about Drew Wiley, Eli Huggins, Jalen Pickle, those guys. But you know, when we're able to get four defensive ends out on the field at the same time, you know, we can be pretty scary in those pass situations. And you know, we tend to to move Bronson inside in some of those situations, and he does a really good job against those. I guess more sluggish guards, you know, mm-hmm. he, he really gets those guys moving their feet and is able to collapse that pocket. I mean, we just got to keep being creative with where we can put our guys in those situations so that they can have success. Uh, and co- We've asked coach about this. I'm going to sneak one in on you here. This, <laughs> this rule where the seniors can come back um, next year, if they choose, everyone can, you know, save the year of eligibility, but seniors are the most notable. You got, you have a couple guys on the defensive side that, uh, I would highlight as someone I'd love to see back. You mentioned Drew Wiley uh, and and uh, Jerron McPherson being the other. Two guys that have been in the system. Uh, Jay Mack is a guy that just couldn't ever get free of injuries and uh, but now seem to be playing their best football in a pandemic-shortened senior season. I bet you want those guys back. We'd love to. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, we, we have not had conversation one with any of those guys. But uh, they're going to do what's best for them, and, and uh, we're not going to persuade them really one way or another. I mean, if if they stay, that's great. If they don't, the program's going to move on, and and that's inevitable anyway. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of those guys are great leaders, guys that really understand what we're doing. We'd certainly be better with them, you would think. But, um, you know, in the end of the day, that's, that's a decision that each one of them is going to have to make on their own. Well, that would do it for the first half of this Klanderman interview. We'll be right back after this short break on the PowerCat Sources Podcast. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the Sources Podcast. Let's continue our discussion with Kansas State defensive coordinator and safeties coach Joe Klanderman. I want to wind the clock back now um, to when you came to Kansas State and you followed <coughs> Coach um, down from Fargo. And how excited were you for the challenge of moving up to the Big 12 level and getting a chance to 
to coach on a, maybe a bigger national stage, even though North Dakota State is a really big deal um, in college football, but coming to the Big 12. How, how fun was the idea of that challenge and coaching safeties here? No question. I mean, that that's what people aspire to, right? And, I, you know, I have a, a Division two background where, you know, after the game we had to clean up the towels and, you know, wipe down the showers. And um, so I know, you know, thinking back when I was 23 years old of dreaming to, to be in this situation and, and wondering if you'd ever get the opportunity to do it. And what I appreciate about it, and, and I don't know, it probably doesn't make sense to a lot of people that aren't in the business, but they don't, they don't give these opportunities away. Um, for Coach Kleiman to get this opportunity and then for him to entrust it to us. Um, you know, he earned it. You know, he earned his right to be here, as, as I believe that I did. And, you know, I, I wasn't born into this. I wasn't a superstar player in college that got a job just because I have a name. I wasn't a guy that uh, is an is a alumni or something that, that got it. You know, what got Coach Kleiman here, what got us all here is, is, is we earned it. And, um, and now the challenge for us, and I think what we were all excited about, we, we didn't feel like, all right, we got, we got here. Let's, you know, we're happy. We've arrived at the top of the mountain. The challenge is, Hey, is what we're doing? Is it good enough to, to, to thrive in any environment? You know, can, can what we were doing at North Dakota state and the culture that we were building and the schemes that we were running, you know, can we take those things to this level and, and have that same amount of success? And I don't think any of us doubt it for a minute. Uh, I know that all of us feel like we're not even close to, to where it is, where it will be. But I think you see this, the roots kind of starting to take, you know, they're, they're getting deeper and deeper. And um, I, I'm hoping that in a couple of years, it's really starting to click and we've got, you know, the right players in the right places and, and our kind of, you know, the recruiting is starting to take its, its foothold into it. And, um, and then things are really going to start to take off. Uh, and, and I, I just, I saw it and I think we all saw it as more of a challenge and an opportunity, uh, rather than a, than an arrival. And, and I think we're still in the midst of fighting that fight. And under the, what a difference a year can make file Scotty leaves heads off to the big 10, and uh, you're promoted, I mean, with, within a year of, you know, basically coming to Manhattan, now you're defensive coordinator at a Big 12 school. Is that kind of a, uh, when you found out, was that go home to the wife and kids and, you know, pinch me? You know, is this happening? <laughs> um, no, I, it wasn't. I, I don't know. I, uh, I'll say this, you know, in my, my time, I've always kind of tried to think of things through a coordinator's eyes. Cool. And I was very, very fortunate. Um, you know, it would have been hard to, to justify um, being a coordinator here coming out of uh, North Dakota state, because, you know, people would have looked at coach climbing crossways probably. Um, I was extremely fortunate to be under Scotty for a year um, because he's such a good professional. Um, and just seeing his perspective of things. And I'd never worked with Scotty before. I'd been around him a little bit, um, but I didn't know how he operated day to day. Um, you know, I, I, I watched him closely, um, you know, and, and some of the things that he did, I really liked. Other things, you know, I liked maybe how I had it in my mind in the first place. But he certainly opened my eyes to a few other things. And, 
a few other techniques and some of the exposure that he'd have to some, he'd had to some of the things in the NFL uh, were great for me to learn. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, so I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I was extremely excited about, it, of course, I wasn't like, you know, in shock over it. I, I, I was ready. I mean, I was, I was, I was excited and I was, you know, ready to take it on. I find it interesting how uh, the staff was put together. Some of you came from Fargo with Coach, but on the defensive side, it was kind of a collection of misfit toys, so to speak. I mean, you guys came <laughs> yeah. from different places. Yeah. and uh, <coughs> In hindsight, I'll be honest, I'm a little shocked at how well it worked. You guys seemed to drop into a groove with each other, even though you really hadn't coached as a group ever together. And it really worked well last season with five guys that kind of came together and formed a really, really good defensive staff. Just a lot of professionals with, with no egos is what, what it was. Um, you know, when you look at guys like Van Malone, Mike Tuyas, Sopo, Buddy Wyatt, I mean, these guys' resumes are incredible. And places they've been, people they've coached, whatever, you, you name it, uh, things that they've been exposed to. And what's really interesting about those guys is they're, they're not behind closed doors having meetings trying to backstab each other or myself or Scotty or whoever. They're, they're, I mean, totally no egos in it for the team, excited to learn what we're doing, you know, those kind of things. And, um, you know, with the, with the uh, hiring of, of Steve Standard, you know, he did have some background with Coach Kleiman. Uh, I've known Steve for a long time. He's fitting right into that also. I mean, a guy that's been a coordinator at the Power 5 level, a guy that's been a coordinator for most of his career, you know, he, he's the same way, just in it for the team. And it's it's so cool. And I think, you know, let's be honest, it's it's all about Coach Klein. I mean, he he's not going to allow bad character players or bad character coaches, certainly, to be a part of this special culture. And so he heads that stuff off at the pass. I mean, he's going to hire good quality people first, guys that can teach the game second and you know guys that are going to be good mentors good good people to be around first and uh you know he he hit the nail right on the head with everybody on the defensive staff okay we only see van malone in media opportunities and he's on i mean he's that personality's there uh so this is my hard-hitting question of the day is Van Malone like that at all times i mean he's just entertaining and he's got maloneisms that he says that are just classic. I'm trying to think of some good Van Malone stories off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> he's certainly an interesting character. He is. I mean, he's, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's something else. He, he, he does. He keeps it light in there. Uh, again, just a, a professional, a guy that uh, um, always seems to bring some levity to the situation and always seems to bring a, a good perspective. And it's not afraid to, to say what he, what, he, what he thinks and what he feels. And I appreciate that. I mean, we all, um, all are accountable to this program. And if there's something that's not wrong, instead of beating around the bush, we, we, need, to, we need to say it. And, and, and that's what I appreciate about him and the rest of the defensive staff is that we're, we're all in this together. I don't, you know, I'm, I welcome criticism. I welcome, you know, ideas. I certainly don't want to ever be the guy that's going to shut that stuff out. And so I appreciate the the years of experience that these guys have and, and what they bring to the table every week. College football right now uh, generally sucks for defensive coordinators. 
I mean, everyone, <laughs> everyone's about scoring points, spreading it out. Uh, and, and I say that because it's just not because the teams you're playing are attempting to score points a lot and putting a great deal of stress on you and your players. But often defensive coordinators find themselves in a position that their offense is trying to do those same things, score quickly, turn the ball over quickly, not possess the ball, and throw the defense back on the field. It's got to be a real nice feeling to have an offensive concept on the other side of the ball for you that wants to possess the ball, wants to rest you, want, you know, oh, kind of wants to more traditional football. I know they're not scoring points when we're sitting on the bench. I know that. Yeah. Um, but I, I'll say that the, the other part about that that people miss, certainly it's the game flow and that. But, you know, the other part about it that, that's big that doesn't get talked about as much is how teams practice. Um, you know, Coach Standard comes from Syracuse, which is similar to Texas Tech of what we would see in our league, a team that's going to go as fast as they can. Well, they don't just do that in the games. They do that in the practice, too. And so it's really difficult to teach uh, during practice when you're going as fast as you can and trying to get 110 snaps in, in 45 minutes. And so um, I don't know how to, how to teach that way. Uh, I mean, you're doing it all off of tape. And, and, and so – What's great about our offensive style is you're going to see every personnel group that you could possibly see. You're going to have four wide receivers on the field at a time. You're going to have no wide receivers out there sometimes. You're going to have every possible run scheme that you could ever draw up in the dirt. Um, you know, a, a pro-style passing attack, trades, shifts, motions. Uh, I mean, we're exposed to everything. And so, and sometimes it's overload of information for our guys, but you're exposed to everything. And so, you really test your rules and principles of what you do on a daily basis in spring practice and in fall camp. And, you know, that helps our guys, you know, for example, last week playing TCU, they line up in unbalanced and they shift back to something else. And our guys, that's just daily mm -hmm. practice for them. And they, they do that stuff all the time. That might confuse some teams to us. It's just another, it's just what it is. And so uh, we're, we're, you know, it, uh, yeah, you bet. I like playing 60 plays a game, you know, but uh, I, I also like being ready when, when those situations come up because we, see, we have seen them before. Uh, a couple other topics here before I let you go. The news about Skylar Thompson, Chris Kleiman just mentioned that on Big 12 Teleconference that he's done for the year. Uh, <coughs> there's never a good time to lose a starting quarterback or a senior captain. Uh, but it strikes me that in this COVID year, everyone's kind of mentally adjusted to losing people. Um, how hard is this to to go into the rest of the season knowing that the senior captain quarterback isn't going to be on the field? You can control what you can control. Yeah. And there's nothing we can do about that. And there's nothing that, you know, as far as I know, Skyler didn't help us line up in, in uh, cover three on defense. Um, you know, yeah, you don't want to lose him because he's, he's a tremendous player and a great leader, everything you said. Um, we've got to do what we do, and that's if we get an opportunity to be out there and, and execute on defense, we're going to go out there and execute on defense. And, you know, whatever else is happening in the outside world doesn't, doesn't matter to us. And hopefully uh, it, it galvanizes us. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, coaches said this many times, but, you know, when, it, when adversity strikes, it crushes bad teams, you know, uh, bad teams get crushed by it. You know, average teams survive it and, and good teams get better because of it. And that's where I'm hoping that 
this galvanizes us a little bit. We went through a similar situation in 2015 with Carson Wentz at NDSU, and a lot of people don't know that story, but you know we were we were about as down as you could be there. At one point, we were five and two. We just lost the game, and and Carson had got hurt in that game that we lost, and we he was done for the year with a broken wrist. And uh, there was a, a freshman quarterback, kind of similar to what we've got going on here, that stepped in there, and um, you know he wasn't probably quite ready. We knew he was going to be a good player probably similar to what will is and um you know what happened that year though is everybody on offense played better uh, the defense played better i mean everybody else stepped up their game around them, and that's what's going to have to happen here in 2020 uh, for us to be successful okay two final questions one about football uh sort of i guess it's pandemic football we've seen programs have problems with off weeks that's when the kids let their guard down and go do some stuff. How hard is it to communicate to – I wouldn't have listened. Let's put it that way. To, to be responsible and don't, don't follow your desire to go out and hang out with your friends, unmask, and do things that might put the whole team in peril. Well, you know, I, again, when you, you hope that you have the right type of guys. I'm not saying you wouldn't have been the right type of guy. I wouldn't have. Um, no, I can promise you. <laughs> okay. Um, but you know, if guys have their priorities in, in line, that's all, that's all you can do, you know, and, and we have to put some trust in those guys. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to be staked out on the corner of Aggieville at 1130 on Friday night uh, to make sure that these guys are doing right. We just hope that we can, um, you know, we hope that they're committed to the task. We're hoping that they're starting to see the benefits of, you know, falling in line a little bit and, uh, and the success that can follow if you do. And if, you know, that's all we can, it's all we can do is put their, our trust in them and hope that we have enough leadership and enough uh, character to, to make it through it. Well, I've covered football for a long time. I've seen a lot of assistant coaches and coordinators come and go um, for various reasons. But one of the most unspoken reasons about why coaches leave is uh, the wife doesn't like it there. How, how <laughs> is the family adjusting to Manhattan, Kansas? We like it. I'll tell you one thing the wife's not a great big fan of is, uh, is online school. No. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but aside from that, she likes it here. We, we, we've got, she's, she's got a great friend group. Uh, kids really like school. You know, all my kids are into sports and all different kinds of things. And, uh, Manhattan's cool. Manhattan's a really, really unique, uh, place. Now we're, we're coming from Fargo now and I don't want to, I don't want to bash Fargo, but there's you know, a lot going down up there. And so uh, I'm, I'm happy, happy to be here. No, it, it, it's a great community. We've got great friends. Um, you know, we, we've got a, uh, a nice, uh, spacious backyard that, that my boys are happy with. And, and I mean, this is, this is the place. This is really cool. This, that's certainly will not be a reason that, that we would ever leave. Uh, good interviews, ask follow-up questions. So here's my, uh, really, uh, mean follow-up question trying to get you to say something bad uh fargo's beautiful wonderful summers are incredible the first time you you had kansas humidity hit you in the middle of summer when it's already 95 degrees did you miss fargo no because you you have to think of the (laughs) trade-off and fargo yeah i'll take that humidity over (laughs) driving through 17 feet of snow on my way home i'm with you 
<laughs> so it's it's uh yeah there's there's a give and take to everything i don't know unless we, unless you're coaching at the university of hawaii then i probably don't have to worry about it either way but then, I'll, I'll, I'll take the humidity anytime then you complain about the travel there's always something wrong with it yeah, there's always something thank always you coach something. i appreciate it so much you bet take care you bet Klanderman's great right, he's great i i really like all the coaches on this coaching staff it's just become very comfortable. It was almost like not long after they were here, it felt like they had been here. They just kind of belonged. And I know that sounds kind of strange, but uh, I really was hoping Joe Klanderman would get the promotion once Scotty Hazelton left. And if you remember how I set up this whole interview, how shocking it was, how his resume really didn't point to a guy that would be a defensive coordinator at the FBS level after one season of coaching at this level. But I think he is proving exactly what Chris Kleiman said. Football is football. And Kansas State's defense is pretty darn good at playing football. And a big part of that is thanks to Joe Klanderman. We appreciate you listening to the Sources Podcast. We will be back early next week with another edition of this podcast. And we drop a podcast basically every day all football season. It's an off week, so there's no pregame podcast this week, of course. But we will be back with a full schedule next week on the PowerCat Podcast. I'm Fitz, and I will talk to you later. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.